The Heather McCoy Show. That's right. It is the Heather McCoy Show. I hope you're having a great Tuesday morning. And um, yeah, so the the thing, um, the little thing I'm going to rift on today is parental expectations um, because I it's been a major problem in the last two weeks, and I've tried to do as professional job as possible. But it, there's a few things I would like to get off my chest, and I just was wondering if. Uh, you had any thoughts on this? And nine four nine eight two four five eight two four is the number to call, and that will. Be, and if you want to go on the air, I'll put you on right away, and uh, we'll talk about that with what uh, your experience with that is. Um, I must apologize to the listening audience at large. I've been meaning and trying very hard to get a guest to speak on um, what was two weeks ago now. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown actually changed the laws around workers' comp and if you can receive it and the reward system. And, you know, it's a bipartisan bill. And if, you know, if you know me at all, it's usually when both parties parties agree on something that we're going to have to reach uh, for our pants to pull them up because they're going to just completely uh, assault us. Um, so it's it, whether it be NAFTA, because that was something that the Republican House did with Clinton, or uh, the Telecommunications Act of 96 with Republicans and Clinton, or the Financial Modernization Act, which the Republicans did hand-in-hand hand with Clinton. So when, when Democrats and Republicans agree, and that lovely adage that David Gregory must have, bipartisanship, um, usually that means we're, we're taking it, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> as Andy would say. Um, so so uh, usually when we they agree, we lose. And so I've been trying to get a guest to speak on that, and I've called quite a few people, and uh, and no one really has gotten back to me, sadly. Um, I don't know if that's because they don't have anyone qualified on staff, which is kind of strange because of, of the places I've called. But, um, well, I'm trying to, I'll try to get that to you next week because I think it's very important. Um, it's... It's, it's basically your right to access the legal system. And if you've watched a movie that it, Mike Kaspar actually uh, did an interview with, uh, the director, um, he interviewed the woman that made this movie called Hot Coffee. And Hot Coffee was a film about the woman in New Mexico who spilled hot coffee on herself and then sued McDonald's and got a large settlement. And then later on, that was a little bit... I don't think she ever got that as large of a settlement as she was rewarded by the jury. And then they always laugh, ha, oh, ha, hot coffee. Well, coffee's supposed to be hot, stupid. Well, they don't. The story behind that is they don't tell you that it was scolding hot coffee. She suffered third-degree burns, and um, it, it was a traumatic experience. And so um, I think both parties are trying to limit access to our courts. And then the other thing, too, is there's a stigma around it, too. Um, I'll be I'll be frank honest. I filed a workers' comp. Uh, lawsuit in 2006 yeah 2006 is when I filed it um, and so you know I'm reminded by my parents and where this comes into my parents is I'm reminded by my parents that they go you got two strikes against you you've filed a workers comp suit we told you not to sue Albertsons and we also said that uh, you, you, you're transgendered and you can't go on the job search that way so I mean it, I mean even if I wasn't transgendered and I just filed the workers' comp suit, I like how in America it seems like standing up for your rights, that that's not tolerated in the marketplace of jobs. If you do it once, you've got a black mark against you the rest of your life. Never mind that you can't run or play soccer again. 
And when you watch the U.S. women's national team, you wish you could be out there at least running. And, and it's just, I, I mean, that, that's, when I, when, I, when I say that the United States has, I mean, the political system was allegedly democracy, if you consider a choice between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney, democracy. But the fact that there's no safety net I'm receiving literally. I just got. I. 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 Uh, we. I lost funding on the last job I had. It was a publicly funded job. And the workers' comp I get is literally 157 dollars. There's literally no safety net in this country, and so when you have no safety net, which you know, Welfare Reform Act 1996, another bipartisan thing, Bill Clinton, Republican Congress. They both smile. Those little greedy smiles that Republicans smile. And Bill Clinton going, look, I'm agreeing on something. I'm crossing over. I'm triangulating. Like, the the thing is, is um, it creates a situation where there's no safety net. And there's so few jobs available that they can just, you know, shift through the people that they think they can pay the least and won't cause as much trouble. And if you actually stood up for your rights, like I did, you you you're you're somehow blackballed. And it, you know it's not it's not like I'm a communist, not like Radio International, who's an awesome lead into my show. And I want to thank John very much for uh, doing six to eight. And it's and something that. It wasn't something I wanted to do. Like, the first two sinking feelings I had, I'm going to be in for a long, hard journey. Number one is when the pain in my lower back wouldn't go away. And I'm, and I'm like, and then I went to my mom's work and I'm like, I have to go to a doctor and I need to see somebody because this isn't going away anymore. It was just building for six months and it did lastly, it didn't go away. And that was the first time I knew I was in for a really bumpy, hellish ride. And the second time was when I got to urgent care. And then when I, when I actually got there after I consulted my mom and for emotional support, when I got there, they gave you a form to fill out upon your entry to see what, what's wrong with you, essentially. And on the, on the thing that, 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 you know, what's wrong with me, there's a box that says, did this injury recur at work? And I thought, oh, one of the seven words you can't say, I'm in deep crap. So literally, I checked that box. And then they also had a box, I think, after that, if, you, if yes, what's your employer's name, manager's name, and phone number. So I filled that part in. My hand's sweating. I'm knowing that probably the next three or four years of my life are probably going to be completely turned upside down. And they were. They were. And uh, they called my boss. They put me on the line and uh, start screaming at me. And I knew I was in trouble. And my parents, they don't believe that I should have stuck up for my rights. They, they, uh, I was living in an apartment at the time, and, uh, 
they didn't see how many how much time I spent in bed. They didn't see how much yoga, how much swimming. Uh, I took a class at uh, Irvine Valley College. For it was basically called PE for disabled people. I can't remember the section number. But it was a hard journey, and it's always been, it's been hard. Because of all the time on my back, I realized how life short how short life was, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to come out when I did. And so, fast forward to this weekend, because there's a whole lot more crap that's gone on since then. Fast forward to this weekend, uh, my brother bought a condo. I had been living with him in Santa Ana, which I consider my home. And the condo that he bought was one of those condos where it's a complete fixer-upper. The neighborhood is not a great neighborhood. It's uh, it's not crime-ridden, but it's completely fenced in by suburbia. Like, literally... You can measure you can measure how suburbia you are by the distance to Del Taco. It sounds silly, but it's true. Uh, the old place, which was urban and awesome, and you can just walk a few feet, and you had a bus stop that would, could take you all the way to UCI. You had you can walk five minutes and be at Del Taco or a pizza place, or you can walk twenty minutes and you would be at a subway, and you and or you can walk twenty minutes and eat at a gourmet place along the Orange Circle. Which, if you're an Orange County resident and you're listening to Sound of My Voice and you haven't been to the Orange Circle, you need to go. But, um, so we traded that in, that neighborhood in, for something that's completely roped off. You have to drive at least 1.5 miles, or maybe even 2 miles, from the nearest Del Taco and the major, most major intersection to get to the place. There's no life around the place. Like the the apartment complex, you always saw people or kids are doing something around. This place, it feels like the runway strip on Catch-22, if you've seen that movie. It's completely barren. There's no life going around. It's just you alone with your thoughts, and you don't see people every day as you cross paths. You're there alone. And so... To be taken out of a thriving environment against your will because you have nowhere else to go because unemployment hasn't kicked in and it doesn't pay enough to keep that old apartment. And then my brother who was super awesome and over the last few years I've been so underemployed that basically I've been paying about 45 or percent of the rent payments I've been able to do, the other 55% I owe, and I will pay him back. I feel tremendously guilty about that. And then now that I'm at the new place, it's it's like he changed, my brother changed somehow, and now I have to pay $600 or I have to leave. And $600 is what I get for the entire month on unemployment. And I don't know how, I don't know how thing, ownership of things changes people. 
Like, I know I was changed fundamentally when I bought my first car. I don't know what it is about ownership of some assets that changes people. And so, basically, my friend Lawrence, actually, I, I posted a, a status on Facebook that sa basically says, um, I think I posted it saying, um, what part of being a parent um, or at least my parents mean, I, let me, let me try to rephrase that. I just, um, killed it because I was trying to look for it because I don't remember exactly how I said it. Um, but I said being my, being my parent, uh, being a parent, uh, being a parent or at least my parents means you can say the most, most messed up things possible. There's an F word there to your kid and never say you're sorry. And uh basically my 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 parents don't get the idea that it's a recession or I you know it's a depression technically. And they don't get that they they don't get the idea that it's hard for everybody and it's really hard for me. And there are, I mean, there are some things that I need to do better. I do have anxiety issues. I'm sure you do too. And so I haven't been applying for as many jobs as I should, honestly. But it just, I think it, part of it is when I do, it just feels like it goes in a black hole and nobody ever sees it. Maybe I just have to think that if I fill the black hole, something will happen. But anyways, so after I posted that being a parent, or at least my parents, means you can say the most messed up things possible to your kid and never say you're sorry, my friend Lawrence actually wrote a really good email to me about his mom, and I'm not going to share that part with you, but I will share the part where um, basically he was saying that... Um, he was basically saying, um, it's funny how parents rarely wonder if they're doing a disappointment to their children. I don't think they ever, I don't think it might ever really contemplate that. I don't know about yours. If you want to share 949-824-5824, sharing time is fun. Um, so basically, uh, I got berated all weekend. I was told I wasn't pretty enough to hold a job. Like it's the 1950s, like women could only be pretty and hold jobs. Maybe that goes for trans women. You only can, yeah, you can only be pretty and passable to hold a job. I don't know. So it it's just like it. I keep them making the analogy. It's a band analogy. And because it's a band analogy, they didn't want to hear it. But it's totally true about life and everything. Uh, I used to work at a music store in my teen years. And uh, it was the late 90s. And my boss was uh, kind of a, a gay, alcoholic, hipster. And 
being a hipster in those days meant you saw, say, Ferris. And there's a line in the sand for bands that if you're there, if you hang around a band and go to their shows in the very beginning, you supported them in the toughest times, the tough, the hardest times when they had to have a job and being in a band and God knows what else to make their dream happen. And you were one of the five people that went to their shows when they're first starting. You're one of the five people that bought their merchandise and helped support them in the beginning. You're one of the five people that actually talked to them after their gig and said they were awesome. And then by the time John caught on to say Ferris, yes, they were still an indie band, but they had crossed that threshold where where there were a lot more hangers honors than there were people that that were there in the beginning. So he knew them. I think a few of them came into a record store, but I always missed them, which really sucked because I had a crush on Monique Powell. But he could never get in that real deep friendship mode, even though he knew them and talked to them because he came so late. And that's honestly where my parents are at right now is there's there. If they ever, if when I be, I am going to be successful in life. It's just taking a little, little bit more time. And I mean successful in that I'll be able to take care of myself and I'll have friends. I don't mean like I'll be rich. But when I am successful and I'm self-sustaining, it's just like, what have you done for me other than give me heartache and criticize me all this time? You know, it's like it's easy to be there when you're. It's easy to be there when everything's going great, but it's always the hardest when things fall, completely fall apart. And that's where I'm at right now. And they've completely abandoned me. And they don't seem to get it. So I, I was I was hoping to take some of your phone calls. Nine four nine eight two four five eight two four is the number to reach me. If you want to uh, talk about your own parental thing with your parents that they uh, don't see you eye to eye on something. Or if you're a parent that's frustrated and thinks I'm a spoiled brat. Bitching and moaning on the radio. But it is an interesting topic though. I mean it's just like at what point do you just say enough? I'm done with you and then just kind of go our separate ways. Um, I know Gord of it all. Uh, he, uh, he passed away recently and I was reading in one of the memoirs or what, uh, like a little essay that at one point he had a discussion with his mother and he was a grown man and he decided that he didn't want his mom to be in his life anymore and it was over. And I kind of think I'm at that point. I'm even debating, for some reasons, for some sadistic reason, they, they have the family plan, and I'm on the family plan. I'm broke, and I don't even want my cell phone anymore. And another part of the weird dementia and the weirdoness is the fact that we're on T-Mobile. They pay about 140 bucks for four phones, but we're still in the favorite five mode. That we're still in the favorite five contract from probably 2007. 
So the part of the other fun thing is they call me up at eight in the morning and it's a, like the big Lebowski. It's like a phone call. What the blank are you doing? You blanking, blanking, blanking dummy, you know? And, and it's like, uh, you know, I accidentally talk, use my every time minutes. And it's just like for an extra 30 bucks, you don't have to stress about that because you have a unlimited calling. But in their mind, oh, this is the best plan we can get. It's like dealing with crazies. So it's just like at a certain point, you just have to say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm over it. Bye. So anyways. So I was hoping to get some calls. 949-824-5824 is the number to reach me at. Um, we're going to go on to Robert Larson. He'll be joining us on Skype momentarily. So if there's a issue with the phone quality, it's Skype. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Heather McCoy Show on 88.9 KCI FM in Irvine.